All right, here we go. Starting in three. Sorry. I, I was like, is this fake? Is this part of a bit? What's going on? I'm sorry. I really had to sneeze. <laughs> Usually you go three, two, one, beat. Hello and well. And then so I, you said three and I thought, okay, are the two and one like silent now? <laughs> did, I miss, did I miss the memo? <laughs> no, man. You didn't miss anything. I just had to sneeze. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's well, don't that do up. that again. Yeah. Let's back that up and do that again. Uh, hold on i need to blow my nose real quick oh my you're listening to the movie wasteland podcast with brady and ryan really man of your talents Welcome back to the Movie Wasteland with Brady and Ryan. I'm Brady. He's Ryan. How you doing, Ryan? Hello. Doing great. <laughs> hey, that's good to hear. We are continuing with our big long saga, as uh, Mr. George Lucas <laughs> would call it. It's our Summer of Star Wars series here on the Movie Wasteland. We are reviewing every single Star Wars movie in a chronological order, and we have finally made it to the first spinoff movie uh, ever in Star Wars he- history, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. We are definitely looking You're cutting it. Caravan of Courage and... Chris Ewok Adventures. Special. And... You're cutting that. I mean, you're throwing some major shade their way. I I bet Anthony Daniels is upset because I'm sure he was in those. I don't know, but I'm sure he was. <laughs> well, Warwick Davis, maybe. But uh... Well, every every time I heard something, what was it about uh, Anthony Daniels like lending his voice to some Star Wars thing? And I'm like, duh, of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> he does it for everything. Good on yeah, him, though. If it's, he enjoys it, it, that's fine. It's like last week. I forgot to mention this last week during Solo, um, but I, I think it's hilarious that he was in the movie Solo, and it, it, they only gave him one line, freedom. <laughs> you know, that one droid? Oh, When he hits right. the button he and frees all the droids. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet he was mad. I bet he's, freedom. I bet he's auditioned for K2SO, um, whatever IG. No, wait. What's what's the name of the the droid from Solo? We just talked about it, and I can't even remember. L three, but yeah, L <laughs> three. Wow, memorable character. I bet he auditioned for every every single uh droid in Star Wars universe. Well, according to him, now he's like done. He's like retired. That's the last I heard of him, although I find that really hard to believe. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> like, I bet if he gets a call from Filoni or Favreau and being like, hey, would you like to be in The Mandalorian? He he would jump. Oh, down. yeah. It's, oh, man, yeah, he would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I am officially retiring as C-3PO. And then K2SO jumps out and he's like, I find that answer vague and unconvincing. And if- <laughs> <laughs> exactly but you know like i said good on him not everybody has to hate star wars like harrison ford so uh, yeah yeah and i think it was either uh you or me one uh or maybe both of us we've said that if we were ever like a part of the original star wars movie you better believe we'd be acting like anthony daniels and just like living off of oh, it oh yeah i'd be milking it every day yeah i like the, the the kid um are the, well, he's a, an adult now, but the guy who plays the little kid in episode three, he, 
that goes, Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Like, he travels around to cons and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? I kind of want your autograph. <laughs> yeah. Or like Daniel Logan, who played little Boba Fed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Four lines and now he's a multi-millionaire, I guess. Get no. him, Dad. Fire. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. You can check out our Attack of the Clones review on the channel say, right we now. Just, I keep bringing down Attack of the Clones. And can't You're shut obsessed. up about it. You're obsessed. Well, um, well, man, uh, I just kind of thought... say love has blinded me. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Because I'm only maybe it's because I'm so in with love. love. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shut up! <laughs> Can we please talk about Rogue One now? <laughs> yes, I want to because this is a good movie, man. In my opinion, yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, I I guess let's just jump right into this. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about before we kind of get to the actual uh, movie, I just wanted to talk about a few things here. First of all, uh, mainly just because I watched it earlier this morning. Dude, this movie has some awesome trailers. <laughs> it does. It the does. first teaser, you, man. Are you talking about the celebration one that was like unused footage? Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, are you uh, the celebration one from 2015, like a whole year and a uh, half before it came out, where it was like yeah, 30 so, seconds of stuff? Yes, yeah. It's just like a star, uh, it's just like a TIE fighter, and then yeah. it pans up, and you see, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, I've a, seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I that's pretty cool. It, it is cool. And I, I mean, there's nothing to it, but, um, it was enough to get me pumped, baby. Yeah. And if you'll remember back, uh, that far, uh, the movie actually had a different name at that point. It was going to be called Star Wars Anthology Rogue One. Do you Such remember a better that? title. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Such it's a, so much better. It is. They should have just stuck with that. They were, they were still worried the about reason... general audiences not being able to understand it. Who cares? You took the words right out of my mouth. I'm like, I bet they did some like study and they were like, kids don't know how to pronounce anthology. I'm like, <laughs> but it would have been cute though. They would have tried so hard. Anthology. But um <laughs> <laughs> That was a very good child impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> what is she proposing? But uh <laughs> we'll get to that moment later. <laughs> uh, I know. But uh know. yeah. But uh yeah, so we had that little snippet that was really cool and um then uh the three main trailers were just freaking awesome man yeah uh, i really the, like that first i guess yeah trailer the um, uh the gareth that had all the unused the movie yeah that had all the unused footage that <laughs> looks amazing oh it's and it still holds up to this day like i i hadn't uh i haven't watched that trailer in a while and you know, I watched it a little while ago, dude, it gave me chills. I was just like, man, this is awesome. Just the tone of it. And, ah, man, well, it was so I awesome. always thought in my head, because, you know, I'm an expert trailer maker in my own mind. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, they ought to make a Star Wars trailer using the like Imperial <laughs> alarm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> now do the, do the myself. one, do the one from alien. <laughs> Okay, I can't anyways. do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Either. <laughs> but um, I was always like, they should use that. And then when they did, I, I felt, I felt like I had won. And I was like, all right, the universe heard me. I got my one thing in life. I can, I can live a happy life now. I can move. Yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. And you know, 
the other two trailers were really good as well. Uh, but that first one in particular, I, I think because up until that point, we as Star Wars fans, I mean, we knew this was going to be about the uh, Death Star plans being stolen from the Empire before we, you know, catch up with the story in uh, Star Wars. But we, other than that, we really didn't know much about the movie. We didn't know, no. you know, what it was going to look like or anything. And I just remember from the very first moment, whenever you hear the Star Wars theme on the piano and then... Um, yeah you see the uh, rebel base on Yavin, the inside of it. It just, man, I, I'll never forget that moment because it just took me back to being a kid and, you know, seeing this world. And it was so cool. <laughs> it was really, really I cool. I agree. And, and in that trailer, it's true, but I, I wrote this down in the movie. I feel at least the look of this movie Nay, or the aesthetic of this movie nails that Star Wars look so oh, good. Yeah. That original trilogy look. I mean, it, it's it blends so well. And I know you've seen it before, but there's actually somebody who meshed the end of Rogue One and mm-hmm. carried right into A New Hope. And yeah. I mean, you know, there's some differences there just because camera quality is a little bit better now, surprisingly. But um, and you know, it blends very well. So I. I think they really nailed that. That's one of the aspects I love the most about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember, uh, I think it was the second time I saw the movie in theaters. I immediately came home and put in star Wars and it was awesome, man. I bet (laughs) it was was like watching a big four hour long movie, you know? (laughs) I know the action never stops. (laughs) It's like Lord of the Rings. Until you get to Tatooine. But, (laughs) uh, and then the other thing, uh, the, uh, yeah, one of the other things I just want to mention real quick, uh, John Knoll is uh, kind of the guy who came up with the story or the basic, the basic elements of what Rogue One would become. He's the guy who went to George Lucas, you know, back in uh, 2005 before Revenge of the mm-hmm. Sith was going to come out and said, hey, you know, what if we made a movie about the Death Star plans being stolen? And, you know, uh, I, I, I just think it's so cool for him because, you know, he's been the head of visual finally effects got yeah to, yeah yeah he finally yeah. gets to see this idea come to life i'm sure it was such a big moment for him and i don't know i just like seeing people succeed like that who you know have an idea and finally see it through uh to creation i just find exactly that neat oh yeah absolutely because i mean I know even though he was in the industry and stuff like that and had access to lucas and you know had worked with him and stuff but it's it's he's just kind of a dude like us been like and even Favreau has talked about like the elements of the Mandalorian or something. He's been kind of rattling around in his mind since the nineties, you mm-hmm. know, uh, kind of a Boba Fett style s- story or something mm-hmm. like that. But, uh, yeah, it's awesome. So let me ask you this. How familiar are you with Gareth Edwards filmography? Cause other very than, little other than Godzilla. Uh, that's about okay. it. I was going to ask if you had seen any of his other films. I haven't, um, you've seen Godzilla. That's true. That I mean, we yeah, saw it other together. than Godzilla. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I have that. I have not seen that movie since, actually. Really? But um, no, nah, I didn't really care for it. I know it's grown on you quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think, and it's hard to know because there were like with seems like all the Disney Star Wars movies, there's production problems, and uh, this one kind of went through its fair share. So I don't know. I don't know very much about the production woes, so you can fill me in if if you even want to touch on that. But uh, I I am always I have always been curious how much of this is actually 
Gareth Edwards movie. So um, basically, I, I was looking at the timeline of things before uh, we got started here. And basically, uh, the whole movie was shot. And um, Gareth Edwards and the team started editing the movie with the editors he brought with them to work on the movie. They started putting the movie together. Um, well, Disney executives, I don't know it, it. I don't know if that's Kathleen Kennedy or Bob Iger. I don't know who it is, but apparently Disney executives started seeing footage of the assembled cut of the movie, just small little snippets here and there. And they uh, were displeased with what they saw. They th- thought it was too dark in tone. Uh, they mm. thought it was uh, not going to be uh, a, a movie that families could go to. Uh, now I know that sounds like it's some big R rated movie, but you know, it could have, could have been something along the lines of Batman V Superman where it's PG 13, sure. <laughs> but maybe you don't want to take your six year old to see it <laughs> or suicide squad or suicide <laughs> Whatever, squad. Yeah. Well, it's kind of ironic. You bring that up because, uh, Tony Gilroy, uh, I, director in his own oh, right yeah. was brought on to oversee the reshoots and, uh, the re-edit of the movie and um john gilroy i have no idea if they're related or anything um he was the editor on suicide squad and he was brought over to help re-edit the movie and um so a good chunk of the movie was reshot um in summer of 2016 of course i'm i'm sure you remember ryan the media splashes everywhere about oh my gosh, Star Wars is in trouble. <laughs> we'll see. And this was early on in Disney's tenure. We mm-hmm. had just come off of Force Awakens, which was great. And then we heard about this. And I remember you and I talking, and at least from my perspective, kind of my sentiments were like, it's okay. Reshoots mm-hmm. happen all the time. Mm-hmm. They build it into the contracts. They build it into schedules. You know, this is just a part of filmmaking, guys. But when you look back on it five years on or six years on, or I'm sorry, four years on now. Uh, we find out later, uh, it happens a lot with Disney. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, it know. was kind of, kind of the beginning of the woes and everything. Um, you know, I remember thinking at the time, because there had been these reports about, you know, kind of like what I said, Disney exec- executives not being happy with the tone and it's one of those situations kind of like with solo and rise of Skywalker and everything else. It's like, shouldn't you people have this figured out before you get started? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but as we all know, <laughs> apparently not, uh, apparently not. They're just going to waste millions of dollars and man hours and uh, just see yeah. what happens. So yeah, but uh, a good portion of the movie was uh, reshot um, from what I read a while ago, according to Tony Gilroy, a bunch of the third act was slimmed down quite a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, as for the rest of the movie, they decided to take out um, some other parts uh, of the movie and really focus on uh, Cassian and Jen and uh, director Krennic. They really wanted to play up those three characters. Yeah. And those are, you know, it's evident in the final product that those are kind of your three central uh, characters that, you know, get the most story, get the most character development of the, of the rest of the cast. And it's interesting to note too, that, you know, 
they didn't actually fire Gareth Edwards. I think that's the difference in this movie and some of the other movies is Gareth never left the project. I don't know if he was around during the reshoots or not, or he, if he was even there, but uh, they didn't actually fire him in part ways like they have with some of the others. Yeah. So at least he was willing to play ball with them or was they liked him enough to just say, Hey, let's, get another kind of set of eyes in here to oversee this or I don't know what, but you know, I, my, I guess my point is I don't know how much of this movie is his, but I like this movie well enough that like, if they were to say, say in the future or something that Gareth Edwards is doing another star Wars property, uh, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of took the words out of my mouth right there. Uh, I, I respect the fact that he was win, willing to, you know, give up control of his movie and, uh, you know, let Disney do what they will with yeah. it. I'm sure that wasn't easy. Um, no. You know, I'm sure in the back of his mind, he was thinking, oh, my gosh, am I the ne- uh, next Josh Trank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But uh, because yeah. it was at that celebration where they showed the very first trailer, they were supposedly if rumors are true uh both gareth edwards and trank were going to be there and yep. some think that there's actually uh i guess kind of uh proof of concept footage for boba fett that they mm-hmm. were going to show a boba fett trailer too who knows i wouldn't be surprised if it's out there sitting in a vault somewhere who knows in the disney vault so um <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh it'll be on disney plus before you know it but uh <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be buried. They'll put, they'll just let, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find things on that platform. So it'll yeah, just be buried. Somewhere. No joke. But um, <laughs> yeah, I respect the fact that he played ball with him. And like you said, I, I would be uh, really excited to see him do something else in the star Wars universe, whether that's an episode of the Mandalorian. Um, I, you know, it, it kind of surprises me. And I'd love to know more about the situation um, that went down between Gareth and Disney, because like, you know, all reports point to the fact, or at least the reports we have gotten that he played ball with them. He was like, all right, do what you need to, to my movie. And I'll just stand out of the way. Well, if that's true, then why isn't he being brought on board to do anything else? And why is he not doing anything else in general? Like he has done nothing after rogue one. Um, Whereas like Tony Gilroy, Tony Gilroy is going to be like overseeing the Cassian Andor series on Disney plus. So yeah, it's, they find, I don't know if, and it's interesting too, that they didn't just pull him aside and say, okay, it's a bit too dark. We're going to go in for reshoots. And he was like, okay, I'll do the reshoots. They were just like, no, we're somebody else is going to do the reshoots, but still he stayed on. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there was obviously, I guess a different vision there enough of which that at this point, anyways, where we stand right now, uh, they don't want to bring him back, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. There's a lot of, a lot of other directors out there, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, let's jump into this uh, a bit more specifically now and start talking about the movie. Um, maybe you already said it, but, uh, kind of what, are your general thoughts on rogue one man yeah i was going into this movie i was flying high and uh loved force awakens watched it a ton of times in theaters most of them were with you (laughs) and uh and uh you and i even saw this movie in theaters together we like planned around it and everything and yeah because i had a wedding to go to (laughs) 
the and day. it wasn't yours. So yeah, uh, no, it wasn't <laughs> you mine. Um, yeah, you weren't like we kind of playing around. There's a Star Wars movie coming out, <laughs> but <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. The next day, but, I had uh, to wake up early and go to a wedding. <laughs> yuck! But uh, not me. I watched Rogue One again by myself. <laughs> but um, now I was riding high on Star Wars at this point, and uh, when I saw this movie, I absolutely loved it, and I've watched it many times since uh interestingly enough kind of like i said last week with solo it had been a while since i had watched solo i didn't realize it until i started watching this movie today but it's been a while since i watched rogue one as well yeah and uh it's i've i enjoyed it at the beginning and i still enjoy it now hold on one second sorry i just thought i had to sneeze again <laughs> oh <laughs> you're fine uh, sorry I was, oh, no you're my, good man it was like my eyes were watering up and i could feel the pressure <laughs> and i was like oh, if i had only go. if i had been a better co-host i would have talked a little bit longer to let you work through that but <laughs> but no no i just stopped and and just waited <laughs> uh. <laughs> so um yeah uh sorry about that but um you're my, <laughs> my, my kind of thoughts on the movie. Um, yeah, I, I was very much like you. I was definitely after force awakens and everything going on with, uh, with star Wars at the time, man, star Wars was just like at such a high point, uh, when this movie came out. Um, and it, I was super excited to see it. Um, and I, I loved it coming out of it. I still really, really like this movie. Um, kind of my, I, I kind of wrote, uh, you know, a paragraph here about like how I feel yeah. about the actual movie. Um, basically I feel like the first act is a bit jumpy and, uh, almost a little yeah. clustered. Like there's a lot going on in that first act. Um, and, uh, some of the characters, not all of them, but some of the characters just feel a bit shallow. Um, there's not much to them. Uh, however, this movie probably sticks the landing better than any movie I've seen in re uh, recent memory. The third act is amazing. It has some really good conclusions for all the main characters. Um, the strongest attribute this movie has, though, is its visuals and the overall story. There are specific moments here and there that can be nitpicked, but overall, this is a really good movie, and even more than that, this is a really good Star Wars movie. It really feels like this movie was made for Star Wars fans. Well said, my friend. And one, and like I said earlier, the look of the movie, the aesthetic of the movie, I feel like the tone is so on point. Um, it starts different, and we knew it was going to. Mm -hmm. You know, no, no crawl. I'm cool with that, but it's just like, Ring! and it's like, yeah. oh gosh, yeah, but um. <laughs> something though sorry i had to adjust um something though that i i was curious what do you think about the title cards for the planets uh well before that i'll just say real quick about the uh crawl in hindsight and now after watching it last night i think a crawl would have done some good or some sort of wording uh kind of like at the beginning of solo i think that would have helped a little bit um just i don't know there's something very jarring about it just beginning like that um you could have done some of the some of the stuff in the first act that was jumbled because i do agree with that could have been maybe quickly explained in a title crawl yeah like <laughs> instead of actually seeing 
Jen get bust out of prison, you know, maybe just say that in the opening title or I don't know, exactly. something like that. Yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't really make sense if you're opening like in the past, like this movie does, but, um, uh, what was your question? We'll you fix asked? it in post. We'll fix it in post, Brady. <laughs> no, uh, title cards for the planet. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. This was the first star Wars movie to do that. Um, and I don't think the solo do it. No. Okay. I didn't think no. so. No. Um, they only visit like two planets in solo, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, in this, true, actually. in this movie, you visit like four different places in the span of 10 minutes. But, uh, um, I know. It it's I wouldn't have minded it if the first act wasn't so jumbled and kind of like qu- quickly cut because I mean you jump from uh, the trading outpost where Cassian is to Wabani the prison planet to Yavin Four to Jeddah to I mean it's just a lot yeah it's it's yeah it's rapid fire for sure and, and I and again, I think I, having those little title cards in the bottom left hand corner I think that kind of subconsciously kind of adds to the oh my gosh this is moving really quickly <laughs> and it's like we know this is moving quickly so we're helping you understand where we're, <laughs> that we're changing locations here <laughs> i and again i think it's kind of like a general audience thing you know they're trying to market to the biggest audience possible not just star wars fans so they're like we'll put title cards so you can know yeah. i think they're kind of helpful but it, it they do look a little foreign you know yeah. because they we've never seen them before yeah, and, uh, part of me kind of got thinks, along just fine in the past without him. But um, well, I part of me kind of thinks they were like, okay, we got to be different. We got to like make this be yeah. different. So we're gonna do title yeah. cards. <laughs> um, I, I know. I think I know. that kind of uh, attitude drifted its way into other Star Wars properties as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got to be different. We got to do something that the kids are gonna love. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh. I want to talk about this. Let's kill their hero. Yeah. (laughs) Let's, (laughs) let's talk about the opening scene to this movie. Um, Yes. I, I really like this opening scene specifically, uh, because of the novel catalyst, the prequel novel to this movie. Oh yeah. You love that. Don't you? Yeah. I didn't read the uh, novel before the movie came out, but I've read it since then. Uh, it is a great, great novel. In fact, uh, in the whole new canon of everything Star Wars, this is probably my favorite novel um, that I've read in all of this uh, time. It's it's really good. It adds a lot to this movie uh, for one thing. And then other than that, I think it's a really good bridge between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend I remember you book. saying that. Yeah. And it, it, what is it? The books does it center around, um, Jalen or so, or you mean Galen? <laughs> yeah, whoever, whatever. Who's who's the main character in the book? Uh, if folk- <laughs> Jalen, I didn't if actually it- write his name down. I, I was looking at Jen, and I'm like, that's close enough. <laughs> Jalen <laughs> sounds like a shipping <laughs> name, you know, like yeah. But, uh, so uh, yeah, the book focuses on uh, Galen and Lyra. Um, specifically on Galen a bit more in his relationship to director Krennic and kind of like the, I don't know if I'd call it a friendship, but like this really weird, like working relationship they have with one another. Yeah. Um, we see a little bit of that in kind of a flashback. Yeah. In the movie. Too. Yeah. In fact, that scene, that flashback in the movie is actually in the book. 
And, yeah, are uh, they on Coruscant right there? Yep, they're on Coruscant. I thought they were. Yeah, yeah cool. They're on, yeah, they're on Coruscant, and it, it's it's really really good. And the book takes place about uh, five years before Revenge of the Sith, all the way until oh, cool. All the, yeah, it takes place over the course of five years before Revenge of the Sith, all the way until about. Um, a year before the events in rogue one that the opening flashback scene of rogue one nice yeah well you've been recommending that book to me for years now and i'm going to tell you what i told you every other time is i refuse to read books without pictures so um i don't know it's got a picture on the cover sounds good i mean i don't know (laughs) sort of i mean i want i want some action man yeah but it, it's a really good book. It goes into detail about like how the Death Star was made, and it, it's really, really good. But um, yeah. But uh, so what do you? Oh, does this kind ahead. of thing stuff bother you? So just on the note of Death Star being built, this doesn't really bother me. I was just curious what you think. So in Revenge of the Sith, we see the Death Star, and it's kind of in construction. And then in this movie, we're seeing it, but it doesn't really line up with episode three. Does that kind of stuff bother you at all or anything? Well, if you read I'm Catalyst, dish. if, if, if you oh, read Catalyst, they retroactively they, they, fixed it, I got you. There is a, uh, there is an explanation for that. So in uh, oh. Catalyst, it explains that uh, the, the Geonosians are the one who built the Death Star um, <laughs> for one thing. Yeah. And they built <laughs> the, um, the first one was built out of dirt, and they were like, "This is not going to work in space, guys." Yeah, yeah. Uh, appreciate it. Well, they covered we really it don't need the Coliseum. And, uh, yeah, we really don't need the Coliseum in the middle or anything. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a nice touch. Yeah, but uh, we really don't need all the hives either, um, or the weapons factory. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so in the book, they explained that they built the equator first, and then built the two hemispheres um, mm-hmm. uh, on the Death Star. And then they go into uh, as much detail as in Revenge of the Sith. You can see that the dish is being constructed um, in Revenge of the Sith at the end of the movie. However, in the book, they explain that that was just a temporary cover on the dish uh, section uh, while the crews were completing the Death Star. And then in the movie Rogue One, we see the final uh, the laser being put into the Death Star Nice. And uh, they also say in the book Catalyst, it also clears up uh, something from the original Star Wars. In the original Star Wars movie, you can see on the plans that the Rebels get that the dish is on the equator. It literally sits on yes. the equator. Yes, yes it is. Well, in the book Catalyst, they explain that this uh, the, the dish being moved to the northern hemisphere um was a last second change by Emperor Palpatine. He wanted it on the northern <laughs> hemisphere. <laughs> Ain't that just like bureaucracy, man? You're literally in the home stretch and there'll be like, uh, sorry guys, news came up from the boss. He wants to completely change everything. And they're it's, like, we're literally putting the last coat of paint on it. I know guys, well, but uh, we'll, we'll just get it, it over. It wasn't that late. Like he made the change <laughs> right before they began construction. And so the plans that the rebels get that you see in Rogue One, and Star oh, Wars are yeah they're old plans before the change so so it'd be funny so since it's on the equator if it changed like the uh, hole in the Death Star that the rebels yeah <laughs> they were like well we're gonna have to put an exhaust port there or something and Palpatine's like I don't care just do it <laughs> I think it looks better 
Who's going to know it's there? But uh, so back to this opening scene, uh, one of the other cool parts about this opening scene, man, is we get to see the Death Troopers. <laughs> That's what you meant to say. Once again, what the is book... going on with their voices? Once again, the book Catalyst explains this. <laughs> oh, it seems like a lot of homework, man. <laughs> no, okay, what's the explanation for that? So <laughs> these guys are sort of, they're not special forces because special forces is like a whole different thing. Uh, they strictly belong to director Krennic and his like uh, science division. And mm-hmm. these guys are uh, chosen from the stormtrooper ranks. Uh, they're the biggest guys out of the stormtrooper ranks. That's why they're like six and a half or seven feet tall each. Yeah. Um, and um, the way they speak is kind of uh, explained to the book. Like it's um, they find the six biggest guys they can. And, and tell them to like, mumble. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to see how many marbles we can shove in your mouth at once. And uh, if you can... it's, it's kind <laughs> of get explain... to 30, you're in the death troopers. Yeah, yeah. it's explained that uh, basically uh, inside their helmets, they can hear each other clearly. But on the outside, their words are are uh, like jumbled on purpose. That way okay. nobody else can understand them. Yeah, I love it when they're dying on Scarif and like they get hit with a bullet and they're like, (laughs) (laughs) I can't even do it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but I love the look of those guys, though. They look great. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some of these characters uh, while we're uh, sounds good while we're on this opening scene. So first, let's talk about our main hero, Jen Urso. What do you think of Jen Urso? I like her, man. I think it's an interesting, um, <laughs> you, you laughed. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I was expecting you to come up with some different answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, you can say I, she stinks and I don't like her. No, <laughs> I, I might cut this out. I'll see. But I, uh, I had a wallpaper on my uh, desktop background for the longest time. It was like a rogue one poster and I was having some computer work done. So I took it into geek squad and the dude who's helping me was like 45, 50 years old. And he saw my wallpaper and he's like, oh, man, she is so hot. And I'm like, I think I want to leave and go somewhere else. Here. Okay. It's like, I'm getting it for Star Wars, dude. <laughs> Anyways, Josh. So People. I do like Jen. <laughs> I know, right? No, I do like Jen. And uh, I think it's kind of an interesting. It seems like a lot of times in Star Wars, the heroes are either orphans or, you know, they're searching and well, okay. I just walked myself into a corner there. She basically is an orphan. <laughs> Dang it. Well, she is. Oh man. After now, the second I, I, act. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, uh, well, I guess what I'm saying is I like that she has a relationship with somebody who's essentially in the empire. I think that's an interesting wrinkle. Mm. Um, and I mean, okay. I walked myself into a corner again because you're like, what about Luke Skywalker? Luke Skywalker's got a father. It's like, all right, all right. I'm <laughs> I wasn't sorry. Thinking I just like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding holes in my argument. No. Um, I don't know. I, I like the relationship between her and her father. Uh, I like how she's kind of on the outside and is brought in and suddenly the rebellion is real for her. I don't know. I think she does a good job. I like, her. yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Jen. Um, I, I'll just say this about the whole Urso family. And I know I keep on going back to this novel catalyst, but man, w- once you read that, I, I'm being honest, the Urso family to me is one of my favorite 
families in Star Wars, which uh, you're probably thinking, well, there's the Skywalkers and who else? <laughs> but <laughs> no, seriously, the sacrifices that like the Urso family made um, in Jin and the way it all comes together in Rogue One after reading that book. I don't know. I, I just love yeah. the Urso family a lot. Uh, and I highly recommend you read Catalyst if you can't tell. <laughs> Does Catalyst talk about how she gets her kyber crystal necklace? Yes. Yes. I figured it did. How did I know? (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's something her mom gave her when she was little. Her mom and uh, Galen um, were searching for kyber crystals on like some planet. I can't remember. And she got one for herself and just kept it. (laughs) It's like taking a seashell from the beach. (laughs) Technically it's illegal, but everybody does. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, our other main character um, is a man named Cassian Endor, played by Diego Luna. Dude, I really like Cassian. He's a cool character, man. <laughs> he is a cool character. I like how this movie, and again, that's kind of why I was talking about earlier, kind of like to see Garrus' version. Because his version is kind of dark in and of mm-hmm. itself. But if his version was even darker, uh, whoa, boy, howdy. But um, I like how... You know, not everything is, it's realistic. Like, you got to really get your hands dirty. I mean, it's, and you know, you want to simplify things for kids and and it'd be like, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. But sometimes the good guys, they've got to make sacrifices and and have to do stuff that keeps them up at night. And, you know, that's that's the way the real world works. And I kind of like that aspect that, you know, this dude is just, he'll do he'll do whatever it takes to, to defeat the empire. And um, sometimes that means doing something really ugly. So I I think that's an interesting kind of addition to star Wars that we hadn't seen before this, this movie. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, I appreciate uh, that aspect too. I think that was a really, he's a cold blooded killer. I mean, he killed that guy, (laughs) but um, that informant, I got it. I can't can't crawl him out of here. My arm. My arm. It's like, well, tough luck, buddy. Tough toenails. See you later. You kind of backed yourself literally into a corner, (laughs) didn't you, pal? Yeah. Catch you on the other side, Jimbo. No, the... That informant, though, he's literally screaming in that alley. He's like, they call it the (laughs) The Death Death Star. It can kill an entire planet. It's like, shut up. Sounds sounds like Dudley from Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) I do like how Cassian. uh, Yeah, who knows? Um, There were several characters in this movie where I was like, is that James Corden? But but no, I think that's another movie. (laughs) But no, I like how Cassian comes up behind him and it's like, shh. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be right. okay, <laughs> and then he kills him. <laughs> uh, like I would have just turned around and shot him in the back, but Cassian's like false reassurance. It's like it's gonna be okay. <laughs> I think he was just trying to quiet him down. <laughs> I know, but uh, yeah, it is kind of funny how he's just like, Shh, "It's gonna be okay." Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but right oh, after boy. that, we get a cool uh, or just a very heavy moment where it's like. Cassian, he just stares at him after he shoots him. For yeah, a second. he's just like, ah, yeah. I, I, Diego Luna, he he does really good. He just has these little facial expressions throughout the movie, uh, where you can tell like there's a history, and he doesn't exactly Those are enjoy emotions. Brady, <laughs> he's everybody's got them, dude. Yeah. Well, you can tell he just doesn't enjoy, uh, you know, having to do this kind of grimy yeah. and cd work all the time and i don't know i I, diego luna is just really good in this movie at bringing that across 
ever since he married that girl in that Tom Hanks movie about the airport and being stuck in the airport, I'm like, <laughs> Zoe like, Watch out for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right after he married like Gamora, I, I, I was like, watch out for this kid. This guy's going somewhere. Yeah. What did they have in common in that movie? Was it like Dungeons and Dragons or something? Or yeah. Oh, Star Trek. They were both big Star Trek oh, fans. Oh, yeah. 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 I knew it was ironically, ironically, a few years later, she would be in Star <laughs> Trek. <laughs> That's kind of cool. She's in every good, like, huge franchise successful thing. I know. <laughs> the Losers, Guardians of the Galaxy. She was even in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know? Holy crap. She was. That's yeah. right. One movie, but still. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'll take it. Yeah. So the next couple of characters I wanted to talk about here, I call them the blast from the past characters. Uh, All right. <laughs> it's the characters of Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Dude, I was oh yeah so, so happy whenever the trailer came out, the first teaser for this came out, and I saw Mon, Moth- uh, Mon Mothma was going to be in this. I was like, oh, yes, they're finally... <laughs> making her as relevant as she is in the comics <laughs> <laughs> which is only a little bit <laughs> now she's a big character she is um yeah and i like how they got the we talked about this in the revenge of the sith episode but there's like a deleted scene called like seeds of the rebellion or something yeah. like that and she's in that it's like a you know kind of a little chamber meeting between bail organa and padme's there and she's there and a few others and they're kind of talking about like wonder if we should like start a rebellion or something. That's basically the gist of it. It got cut. I think it's a pretty good scene, you know, it's a great scene and I actually Um, have a gripe to Disney about it. Um, so in the 4k release of all the star Wars movies, that scene for some reason where they're all sitting, sitting around talking about starting the rebellion is not in the deleted scene section on the bonus disc. Really? Why? It's uh, it's does on the, it con- does it contradict something that like maybe Disney has done like with the character? If it does, like I can't or think of it. Yeah, I, that's I don't know. Odd, but like it's that's like the only scene that's missing on the deleted scenes. I'm like that's one of the best deleted scenes. Why would you I get know. rid of that? I, it's only second behind the one where Padme like has dinner with her family and they're talking about how cute Anakin is. You remember that one from yeah, episode two? Oh, yeah, it's great. It feels like an episode but, uh, of Happy Days. But uh... <laughs> which one's Fonzie? Is it the <laughs> is it the dad? Is it the Australian dad? <laughs> but uh, the <laughs> uh, oh, who are we talking about again? Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. Or Bail Organa. <laughs> Pick one. I was gonna say something about Mon Mothma. Well, while you're oh, okay. okay, you were talking about you were talking about stuff being cut out. Um, so on Disney Plus, there's like extras, and I clicked on that, and it had one of the trailers. I guess like the last trailer, not the one that we liked the most. But I thought oh, I'll watch this in prep for the pod. And uh, you know, in like trailers, it there's always like a, a, a title card or something that says like next summer or mm-hmm. whatever. Or for this one, it probably said like this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of just leaving that in there on Disney Plus, it's just a they cut to that shot and like in the original trailer, it was like a starry background and in like red or in like yellow letters it said like next Christmas or whatever. Well, and this one, it's the action's going and then it just cuts to this like starry background for like three seconds and then it just <laughs> continues on with the action. I'm like, why did you Stars. go to the effort to like, why did you just go to the effort to leave that out? I like, 
I guess they probably were like, people are going to watch it and be confused. And I'm like, well, no why couldn't you go back that? and say now streaming on Disney Plus, you know, instead, you know, oh, they do that a lot on DVDs instead of where it usually says like, you know, in theaters this summer, it'll say like on DVD now. or what, Yeah. Know, yeah. Th- that's my little complaint. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, if you want to talk about title cards or whatever real quick uh, i completely forgot to mention at the beginning of this movie after the flashback scene dude whenever we get the rogue one title card and it pops up dude it looks bad and the and the music doesn't sound right i remember looking over at you in the movie theater and going Ugh. oof yeah it's it's, it's just pretty rough awkward. yeah it's awkward. like again like you said it's like they're trying to be different but still be similar and it's just it's just odd yeah uh yeah but anyway mon mothma i'm glad they brought that actress who portrayed mon mothma in episode three back yeah. all these years later 10 mm-hmm. years later or whatever brought her back and jimmy smith's he's a great guy he does a good job yelling no in episode three. So I commend him for that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, and, because uh, yeah, he's, he's, he he's got a small role, but like, I love it because he was an important figure in the rebellion, man. And yeah. it's great that they got him back. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a little bit of age behind the eyes, yeah. you know, and, uh, it, it fits well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I love seeing him, um, in this movie and uh also really like seeing the uh whatever that dude's name the white-haired guy with the beard that we see Crix in Maydeen or whatever <laughs> Crix Maydeen yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah i like seeing that see guy. the guy with the who's the guy who's given like the death star briefing who's got like the really bad teeth in episode 4 is, is that not the same guy maybe it is i don't know i think it is i thought i was a star wars fan but now me I'm too questioning myself <laughs> <laughs> i um, mean you have read that book and i haven't done the homework so yeah you're bigger than me <laughs> so uh really quickly here uh i we're not really quickly i just want to jump to next since the story kind of revolves around Jin and cassian and uh their mission to find Jin's father what do you think about I guess the overall just main story of Rogue One. What do you think about it? So one of the things, and this was even kind of a joke when the movie was announced, like this is what it's going to be about, blah, blah, blah. But there's always been kind of the, it's become a meme at this point where, oh, there's an exhaust port in the Death Star. Couldn't just put a like, piece of plywood over it. You know? Yeah. I mean, everybody's <laughs> made a parody about it. Yeah. But the, and so I was really curious going into this movie. I'm like, okay, how are they going to answer this question? And and I've always wondered, too, even before this movie came out. So they get the Death Star plans, and it and it cuts to like the next scene. They're like, we've now analyzed the entirety of the Death Star, and we found this you know minor little hole in the side here. And we mm-hmm. think, you know, and I was like, boy, you guys, you guys did that quick. How did you do that? <laughs> You know, I can't even find the nearest like electrical outlet in my in my room, and there's like seven. So, and so, and uh, I like basically. I, I'm saying that to say, I like the explanation that's given. Yeah, that Galen or so he sabotaged the Death Star. That little hologram moment in um uh uh what's his face Saw Guerrero's yeah Castle. Saw. I knew it was another three letter word. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, really struggling today. And saws. And uh, you literally just watched this movie an hour ago. I did like 30 (laughs) minutes ago. Um, (laughs) But I love the explanation given. I think 
when I saw it in the theaters, I was like, this is cool. This yeah. is cool. Like the guy who was brought on board to design it because of his, uh, you know, background in, in those types of things. Uh, he didn't want to do it, but he thought, and he basically says, I laid the groundwork for my revenge. And I'm like, oh, this is sick, man. Mm-hmm. This is dope. Mm-hmm. That's what I said to myself. I stood up in the theater and was like, this is so hardcore. And then I told you to sit down and uh, you said, no. And uh, yeah, this is hardcore. <laughs> and I took my shirt off and ran around the aisle. <laughs> yeah. So I had to see it again the next day because I had to see the second half. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really love the explanation, too. And I, I'm telling you, man, once you read Catalyst, it makes that moment even better because you you see in the movie Catalyst or in the uh, book Catalyst that Galen, he really is just like a terrible liar. He's never been able to lie a day in his life. He's always been just wore his emotions uh, right on his uh, sleeves and just has always been open with people and always kind of been the underdog in every situation. Well, finally he won up director Krennic and it's just really, it, it's a really satisfying moment once you uh, read Catalyst. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I, overall, I just really like uh, the explanation for why there is that little hole in the death star. <laughs> it, it They do it in a way that doesn't feel and maybe people disagree with this, but for me, it doesn't feel contrived or forced. No. It makes sense. I'm like, oh, of course, that's cool. So I, I loved it for that. Yeah, yeah. And then some of the other characters I wanted to talk about real quick, um, some of the side characters, as I kind of like to call them. We get the rest of the Rogue One crew with Bodhi Rook, Chirrut Imwe, and Baze. Uh, do you have any thoughts on them? No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay, Bodie's cool. I like the idea of a defector. Um, I think that's cool. We kind of. I got... wish he would have been like instead of just like an imperial. It, like he just seems like a dude who happens to work for the empire. Like it would have been cool if they would have yeah. gone like he was an imperial officer and he's just like had enough. Exactly. It would have been a little cooler. That would have been so cool too. Yeah, he seems more of a janitor than Finn is a janitor. <laughs> so. <laughs> and apparently he has the cool job because he gets to fly the TIE fighters and dress in the black armor. Yeah. As a kid, I'm always like, I want to be a TIE fighter pilot because they have no, a cool he's not, black he's a, helmet. He's he's a uh he's a just like a storage container pilot. Oh yeah, he's not a TIE fighter. He doesn't get so the So he is a loser. Yeah, he is th- a loser. What you see him wearing in the movie, that's his uniform. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> Boy, that stinks. <laughs> but uh yeah, Bodie Bodie uh I I like his story arch uh, or arc. Um, I, like I said, I think more could have been done with him. And, you know, it's hard to talk about these characters and say, you know, well, I wish this would have happened or they would have changed this because chances are in the Gareth Edwards cut, these characters were probably more fleshed out than what we got. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, we don't really and get that's to know the them trouble. all that well. <laughs> It's really hard to do this, and I think that's why movies like, say, Lord of the Rings, for example, you introduce such a large cast of characters. And Lord of the Rings, it took a three-hour movie, and then there were two sequels that added to the character development of each of those characters. Right. But because you could easily say, well, Legolas has no story arc, well, really in any of them, but you know, but you could say Legolas is just kind of a he's just kind of there in fellowship when it's like, well, they give him more stuff to do in the other movies. 
um, <laughs> I'm kind of getting sidetracked. What I'm saying is it's really hard to introduce a large cast of characters because this is, even though we kind of have our three, I guess, main characters where the focus is on the most, you have a pretty large cast of characters. Um, and it's hard to give them all story and screen time and develop all of them fully to yeah. satisfy everybody. Yeah. I mean, you look at the original star Wars trilogy, who are the main characters? It's Han, Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. Ben is there. Ben is there, but he's developed a little bit and he's developed in other movies. Um, so it, it, when you, I feel like in a lot of movies, when you get beyond three characters, it, it, it can be very hard to right. know, give them equal screen time. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, the other couple of characters I wanted to mention real quick, side characters. Uh, we get Chirrut Imway. I really like Chirrut. He's cool. He's got a staff. He's blind. And uh, the Kung he's Fu a fighter. <laughs> oh, that Kung Fu sequence on in Jetta City. I I love that scene, man. It's so cool. I fear nothing. All yeah. is as the force wills it. Man, it's so cool. <laughs> you know what I think is cool? So, like, if you ever go back and, and I know you have, but George's original kind of vision or version of Star Wars involved a lot of, like, the wills and the book the of the gar- wills. The actual the guardians wills. of the wills and everything. Yeah. And it's this thing that, by the time you actually get a new hope, it's that's not even in it at all. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, over the years, the wills have kind of been slowly introduced into Star Wars yeah. canon. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to get more of that as, as the future goes. But I hope so. Th- they're developed a little bit in the Clone Wars animated series, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and we Rebels. get a little bit here and there. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, I forgot about that. Um, so anyway, I just I just find that really interesting, and yeah. uh, I like I like how they they were like, okay, we need this character, and he's not a Jedi. They're like, he's not a Jedi. He's just there. Are, I like the idea that there are people who are, I guess, maybe can use the Force or are very in tune with the Force, but they're not like full on Jedi warriors. Yeah, and, because um, like the way I think about it is, and we don't know much about like Luke whenever he was a kid or everything like that. But I like to think like Luke didn't really come into his own as being a user of the force until we see him in episode four. Uh, and I kind of like to think the same way about other characters like Chim, uh, cheer it. Like we know the Jedi used to take kids away when they were infants, uh, because yeah. they could sense the force within them. But like for other kids who maybe didn't, you know, sense the force within themselves until later in life, you know, they're like Luke or cheer it. And, uh, you know, they are missed by the Jedi. So later on in life, they are force users, but they're not Jedi, you know? Exactly. I like the added wrinkle that he's, he's blind. Yeah. Um, and, and they do a really good job with sound design mm-hmm. and um, composition, uh, camera placement and things like that in his scenes, uh, especially in that Kung Fu sequence scene. Um, yeah. You know, it, and it's very Kung Fu movie because like you, you hear like the gravel, crunching under the stormtroopers feet and then he like swings into action yeah and then later on scarif you see him he's like pinned down and he hears something and and nobody else is paying attention but only he hears it seems like he's kind of looking around (laughs) and all of a sudden out of the smoke yeah you see that atat and and so i really like that kind of added wrinkle that he's 
not only because he's blind, but he's very in tune with the force that he notices things that other people don't. Yeah. So. Yeah. I also like the fact uh, uh, that he gets one of the best lines in the movie. Are you kidding me? I am blind. I am blind. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that part. Uh, that got a big reaction in the theaters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a really good line. And then um, Baze is probably, if, if I could pinpoint a character that had potential in this movie, but yeah, what's just really cut short. It's Bayes. Uh, I mean, you can sum him up as a guy with a big gun. Who's there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's, uh, he's just kind of the Kung Fu guy's friend or something. And so that's, and uh, that's why I would be so interested to see the Gareth Edwards cut of this movie, because like we get that one line in the, uh, cut that was released where you're, you know, before the battle, he looks at Jen and goes, you know, uh, be careful little sister yeah. or whatever. And it you can tell that little line was supposed to mean more, but because we didn't get to take any time with his character in, in any aspect, you know, it just kind of doesn't mean yeah. anything. Um, so yeah, it it's almost cool like see when you watch him. that. Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree. And it's almost like when you watch that scene, you're like, have they even spoken to each other before in this movie? Or was that the first time <laughs> they've even talked to each other? Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah. And then uh, finally, the last kind of side. Well, no, we got a couple more coming up. But uh, yeah, what do you think about Saul? so many characters? There are a lot of characters in this movie. What do you think about Saul Guerrero? So I think this movie, uh, episode seven was the first movie obviously that Disney did and it's very much you know building on the future it does not borrow <laughs> anything that I can think of from like prequels or earlier stuff before episode four I guess no. and I feel like in this movie you know because there was the whole idea of hold on I'm getting a call from Santa Clarita California I know nobody there so um <laughs> I thought that was my phone <laughs> this <laughs> and uh I feel like they were like, okay, let's, because we're starting this legends and canon thing, let's start to bring in elements of uh, previous Star Wars things. So I think you see a little bit, while this movie borrows, I would say very heavily from the OG trilogy, there are a few elements from prequels. Um, for one thing, the like prisoner transport shit, uh, kind of big monster truck yep. that Jin is in at the beginning. That's like from episode three, a clone mm-hmm. trooper type design. Um, and Saw Gerrera is a character that was brought in from, uh, is it only Wars. Rebels or is it? He is was it Clone in Clone Wars. Wars. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he was in both or what. And so, and I think they've even said as much as like, we needed kind of a, a rebel outsider type leader. And we were like, hey, what about Saw Gerrera? Let's just plug him in. So I think it was kind of a an attempt to try to, I guess, bring the big universe more uh make it a more cohesive and that story. was the last time st- uh kathleen kennedy <sighs> listened to the story group <laughs> that was the last time was the character of saul guerrero <laughs> yeah you're not kidding uh saul's an interesting character um i wouldn't say i like him <laughs> so, i would have uh, liked to have seen the bald version of him myself but uh you know, I, that's know, the I know Edwards cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, we see him at the very beginning when he's like, come, come, come. And they're like, ah, come. I like this guy. But uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. 
Um, he's he's interesting. We don't really get much except he's he's a little unhinged, and somehow he's still the leader of this kind of <laughs> band of of uh, zealots. So uh, I'd have liked to, and I'm sure there's more character development in the animated stuff from what I remember, but I don't know. He's he's okay. Sure. Sure. You know, I one thing that I have enjoyed kind of in the new canon Star Wars is the fact that before the rebellion was the rebellion uh, before it kind of became organized, it was kind of just like bands of rebels across the galaxy. You know, there were these groups who were fighting oppression here and there just kind of sporadically throughout the galaxy. Like we see, um, uh, whatever that group is called in Solo, uh, who's kind of a r- small rebel yeah. force, and then we get to see Saul and his rebels here. Obviously, Infus Mc- Nest. That's right, Infus <laughs> Nest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What you know before the, the Solo came out, and I heard uh, that name Infus Nest. I thought they were saying the word Infants Nest, and I was like, Oh my gosh, infants are going to be. In this- what is a pretty hardcore origin story right there? Infant's nest. <laughs> Sounds like a Ooh, biker game. I'm so scared. Yeah. <laughs> Infant's nest. A bunch of baby birds. I'm so scared. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Saul, it just would have been nice to see his character more and, uh, you know, get to spend some more time with kind of these extremist rebels and, um, you know, because that's an area of Star Wars we've never heard about before. So that would have been neat to explore more. As far as the way he's used in the movie, it serves its purpose. Um, however, I really think they had a lot more planned for him in the original cut of the movie. I um, bet there was a heck of a lot more footage of him. Oh, shot yeah. Too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, he serves his, his purpose in this movie. So I can't complain just too much about him. Although he does... Man, Force Whitaker, he has some weird line deliveries in this movie. Noises. Save the dream. Yeah. Noises. Vibrations. Noises. <laughs> or whatever he says. Well, they say something about the uh, boar, boar gullet, um, the octopus monster. Yeah. He's like, uh, th- you know, one of the side effects is insanity or something like that. Or one <laughs> he doesn't tends say that. to lose one mind. His mind. And I'm like. You've been dipping your toe into that, haven't you, buddy? I, I know you have. <laughs> but um, they make kind of a big point of emphasis a little bit. Maybe it's just me on his like rebreather thing, his mm-hmm. like little oxygen mask. Yeah, it's really they weird. They really emphasize that, and then they do nothing with it. Like there's the part where he like pulls it out and like breathes in and the music is swelling yeah. and then he like yanks it down and then it's like, Oh, the scene ends. And yeah, like, there should have been like a what? little moment where like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. He gets in a fight with somebody and he gets his little oxygen thing pulled out and he starts like not being able to breathe. And then they plug yeah. it back in and he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, I just needed to do my noises, inhaler. vibrations. <laughs> I just needed to do but my inhaler. <laughs> it's such an odd, like super specific character choice for a character who is is ancillary at best. Like you didn't need that, yeah. you know. Because even when like the rocks are coming towards him and he unplugs, it's like, okay, all right. He, you could have just stood there too. That would have been fine. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's, and it's I, a it very terrestrial-looking device he's wearing too. It looks like he's just like breathing in oxygen, you know. I know, <laughs> like kind of like you are when you're not 
breathing in from an oxygen tank. You're just breathing in regular oxygen. Maybe there's no trees around there. That's the problem. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, no, no that's trees. It. You know what I mean? That, I think that's. I think we hit on it right there. <laughs> no, um, I was gonna say one more thing about his rebirth. Oh, when I first saw the movie and he breathed in, I thought, I thought they had like injected like some Darth Vader breathing sound effects. And I'm like, are they trying to make some weird parallel here? But then it never comes up again. I'm like, all right, forget it. Yeah. Well, Hey, while we're on the topic of Saul Guerrera, let's talk about uh, one of the planets featured in the movie, uh, or at least heavily featured in the movie. And that's the planet of Jeddah. Um, I really, really dig the planet of Jeddah and especially the city of Jeddah. It really has like uh, something I've always wanted to see in a Star Wars movie where it's kind of like this almost like Jerusalem type setting. Yes, and it kinda, absolutely is. It's like yeah. a big bazaar. Sort yeah, of and yeah, yeah. Kinda, it feels like it's right out of Indiana Jones. And the fact that we see that in a Star Wars movie, I think is pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. We're always complaining about, oh, there's too many desert planets in Star Wars, but this is one I love. And it was only our cool. second one we had gotten at the time. So yeah, I think that's, we were that's all a very okay good point. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point, actually. Yeah. At this point, we're like, all right, enough with the enough with the yellow sand okay but uh <laughs> we'll go tropical but uh no i love the look of it uh the imagery th- th- in this whole movie it's so great there's just some fantastic looking shots that each one could be like a wallpaper yeah. you know and i love the imagery of that star destroyer hovering over jedi city mm-hmm. and you can see the jedi temple it's really tall and uh our yeah, that is an old Jedi temple, right? Yeah, well, it's where they keep the kyber crystals. Yeah, okay. And uh, I love that imagery. I love the giant Jedi statues that are mm-hmm. like spread around. Um, you know, when that yeah. trailer came out and it showed those sta- huge statues in the sand, I couldn't tell it was a Jedi statue on its side. I just thought it was some rocks. Like, I couldn't tell. Oh, yeah. No, I, I thought you were going to say you thought it was Obi-Wan, and I was going to be like Anakin, who's like, I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. <laughs> nah, but, you can talk about Obi-Wan all day, every day. You know me, Brady. <laughs> yeah, and so it's on the planet of Jeddah uh, where we get to see the first use of the Death Star, uh, the test firing of the Death Star. Um, and uh, it's also uh, around this time where we get to see another one of our side characters in the movie, uh, Tarkin. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was like, but what he's been dead for decades, yeah. Brady. How do they do it? Yeah, they must have had unused footage. Wow. Yeah, no, not unused footage. Uh, but yeah, we get to see Tarkin, and this was uh, Peter Cushing brought back to life through CGI and motion capture technology. This character in particular is kind of one of my complaints for the movie because. The character of Tarkin is actually okay in this movie. I think he fits really well into this movie. And I I really like the fact that the character makes an appearance in this movie. However, technology wise, at the time, we weren't quite that there yet as far as recreating people. I think we've reached that uh, time now to where we can accurately, you know, recreate some people and stuff. But I don't think 
we had reached that that pinnacle yet at the time. And so he looks a little uh, compared to everything else in the movie. He looks a little off. Yeah. You know, there's not much in his eyes. He's kind of got these soulless eyes and even the way his mouth moves, it just seems kind of rubbery. It is. Well, his mouth has got tons of articulation in it, Yeah, but his eyes are kind of dead. Like you said. Yeah. But uh, overall, like if they would have done like something, to the extent of like where it's tar- like uh, the scene where Krennic confronts Tarkin and we see uh, uh, Tarkin looking out as the dish is going into the Death Star. If they would have just kept him facing away from Krennic and all we could see was like his reflection on the window, that would have been amazing. But as soon as he turns yeah. around, I-, I remember sitting in the theater and going, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I- you know what? When I when we saw the movie together, and I saw that reflection, that shot you're talking about, I thought, "Wow, what a cool inclusion, Tarkin! That's yeah. awesome." And then and then like, oh, well, okay, he's going to turn around. They're going to have a scene here, okay. And then a little while later, I'm like, oh, there's Tarkin again. He's he, they're they're bringing him back. Wow, they're they they're, they're really, really proud pushing of this, him. Aren't they? <laughs> and then a little while later, I'm like, oh, there's Tarkin again. Oh, this boy, he doesn't look any better than he did last time, does he? And then by the end of the movie, I'm like. Uh, there's Tarkin. I, I get it. There's no, I hate to knock it because the technology that went into this, the painstaking detail that they went into and put into this is really admirable. And there's a very short kind of featurette about the uh, actor who did the, I guess the, the modern uh, version of the Tarkin. motion capture for Tarkin. Yeah. The motion capture. And he and also voice. did um, the voice and, I think he did some of the facial stuff as well, but it looks like it would have been easier just to like prosthetically put a mask on him and make him look like Tarkin rather than just, that's a good point because he already looked. Peter Cushing has got such an interesting like facial structure. Oh yeah. That would have been tough. He's, he's like bone and marrow. Yeah. And so, but still I, I do agree with what you're saying. I mean, they do masks in mission impossible all the time. Yeah. You know, John Boyd looked, great or as good as John Boyd ever does, but <laughs> the, <laughs> the, so th- there's the documentary that I was talking about, our little featurette about the actor. I can't remember his name and he does a really good job. He does. He really does. Yeah. He's a trained actor. We talked about this last week with solo. We didn't want just an impersonator. We wanted a trained actor to play Han. Mm-hmm. This guy is an impersonator and a trained actor. <laughs> and the, the detail that he studied Peter Cushing under is really very impressive. Yes. And so this is not a knock on him. This is not a knock on any of the people that probably, you know, pulled, you know, 80 hour work weeks to try to f- make Tarkin look as good as he does. It's, it's just like you said, the technology is not quite there. Um, I think in limited quantities, you'd be like, wow, that was pretty sweet. And I think it's, he looks, you know, objectively, he looks amazing. But when you stand side by side with a real human being, you're like, that guy looks different. But if every character looked like that, you probably wouldn't think anything about it. Well, you see, probably for think me, they, are, they all look different, but, you know, whatever. Watching it last night, it was almost kind of the opposite for me. Whenever, uh, in the first scene we see Tarkin, whenever he's standing, like, across the room from Krennic, and all we see is Tarkin in frame, I thought he looked, like, really fake. But then, whenever mm. we get that scene where he's, like, standing nose to nose with Tarkin and, like, talking down to him, 
or standing nose to nose. I know what you're talking about. Talking down to him. I thought he looked fairly good there. Like, uh, I don't know. That's a good point. It was just kind of, I think he looks when he's not talking, I think he looks better, obviously. Um, Yeah. It's, and, and it's, there's so many minor, you know, nuances of the human face and the muscles and everything. It's so, so hard to re, recreate that absolutely and um and for what they did it it's amazing what they did uh you know i, I mean yeah. that was it really is it, it really yeah. is amazing it, it, it's just at the time the technology wasn't quite there i think we finally yeah. kind of hit that mark to where it looks pretty real uh now in movies but uh yeah you know is there a movie like, that came after this that like you're thinking of are you talking about that james dean movie that they're gonna make <laughs> because i'm super stoked for that uh yeah i was thinking of a movie um are you thinking like civil war or something yeah yeah i guess that's what i'm thinking of with rdj yeah (laughs) yeah marvel does do a good job they do a good de-aging so yeah uh and then the final two characters i really wanted to uh talk on here really i just want to know your opinion about these two characters um i kind of talked about them earlier galen urso and director krennic that if you read the book Catalyst, mm-hmm. you appreciate these two characters a lot more. And director Krennic makes a, he, he's already a really good villain in this movie, in my opinion. But if you read Catalyst, you just learn to hate this guy. This guy's a snake. Yeah. He's nothing but a little <laughs> butt kisser is what he is. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> he seems like, uh, like a, like a, Oh, what was the word? I can't remember the word I was going to say. So continue. Yeah. yeah he's, <laughs> he's just a big, uh, butt kisser is what he is. And, uh, like he's not even a grand admiral yet. He wants to wear a grand admiral uniform, uh, that was specially made for him. Um, and oh. kind of behind closed doors, other commanders and stuff make fun of him for wearing it. And he's always been kind That's of like funny. an outcast and, uh, has always been kind of like a, small barking dog that's trying to jump up into the lap of the emperor and trying to get attention. Uh, interesting. Well, yeah. we do get some of that in, in this movie for sure. He's definitely ambitious. I'll give yeah. him that. Careful he's one of those guys. He's like on your aspirations. Director. Yeah. He, uh, he's kind of like a, in like uh, the corporate world, he's in the management pipeline and he's going to, you know, brown nose it until he gets to the top. Basically. He's kind of like the um, character of Emmett at the beginning of the Lego movie. Yeah. yeah <laughs> except Emmett grows out of it and becomes his own person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hold on one second. There's a dustbuster going on downstairs. I don't know if it, you're picking it up, but I can hear it. I just want to. Okay. We'll wait then. I have that sign on in the front yard that says on air. Again. On air. Nobody and cares. Nobody cares. People keep driving <sighs> by and honking. Had that thing custom made, dude. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Krennic, though, I, I really like his character. Um, you know what? I think you pushed me over the top. Even though it only has a picture on the cover, I'm going to read. I'm going to read Catalyst. You need to. Um, I know. Maybe. Maybe I can find a version, like a YouTube video that has like pictures like on there or something, but the, listen to the audio book or something, I can do that. Cause then I can look at pictures while I'm listening because <laughs> somebody else is doing the reading for me. <laughs> if somebody could just make a movie of that book, that'd be, that'd be super dope. But that um, would be awesome. I, 
That would kind of, yeah. No, I like the character. I like the look of him. He's got a cape. I thought Lando was the only guy who could pull off a cape other than Vader. But no, this guy, this guy's got some nice, clean cape action yeah. going on. Ben here. Mendelsohn, he is just like a really good bad guy actor. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say earlier is like Mendelsohn, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, really all the cast is really solid in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Forrest but you Whitaker. Add, yeah, even though his character is... But uh, no, he's all right. But yeah, Krennic and Galen, they're both great. Well, there is one other character we got to talk about, but we are going to save that character for later. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds good to me. Now, uh, I don't know about you, man, but I uh, that's kind of the end of my notes for the bulk of the movie specifically the rest of my notes are literally just for the third act of this movie. Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. And uh, that's probably a good way to segue there because the third act of this movie is probably the best third act to a movie other than Avengers Endgame. I'd say the best third act to a movie I've ever seen. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 that's impressive. It's pretty great. It really is. And it is, it's everything you want from a Star Wars movie, really. Oh, yeah. It's, we were kind of promised. Kind it's of a this. Star Wars fan's dream come to life. It's, you get to see the Star Wars, finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> and I love That's the fact that Star at Wars, like, Celebration 2015, when he was asked kind of like, what, what's this movie going to be like? What What's the tone of this movie going to be like? Is it going to be a spy thriller? Is it going to be, what, what's it going to be like? Gareth Edwards was like, well, it's called Star Wars. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And he delivered on that. I, I would say, I think this is a big reason why they hired Gareth Edwards. So he did a movie um, before Godzilla uh, called monster or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it has to do with a big monster and he was kind of renowned for his use of scale in that movie. Yes. From my understanding, he was brought on to do Godzilla uh, and the scale in that movie is, and the composition camera and everything is just quite frankly, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And this movie, and I, I feel like that was a big reason why he was brought on to this movie because this is such a beautiful looking movie in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And like I said earlier about certain camera, certain shots and just that just look super pleasing to the eye, but yet fit within the story. But especially in this third act on Scarif, uh, the scale is just great. I mean, I could, I, I started to kind of write down like, Oh, I'm going to bring up this shot. I'm going to bring up this shot. I finally stopped writing them down. Cause I'm like, it's all great. I love the shot where they're like, there's a large object, uh, you know, it, uh, coming out of hyperspace. And then you just see the death star, like on the horizon. Yes. Epic. Yeah. Any of the shots with the ATATs, fantastic. Yeah. You know, any of the shots from above where you see like Jetta city exploding, where you see Scarif blowing up any of those shots, they just look amazing. Mm-hmm. Also the, the on Jetta city when they're flying out and oh, like yeah. the t- sort of tidal wave the or, horizon um, is just coming. There up is no horizon. Ground. There is no horizon. Yeah. I love that sequence. I think that looks so great. You know, I'm a sucker for pictures. I've been banging on about how much I love pictures and stuff in this episode. <laughs> so I, uh, 
that's one of the big things that make this third act for me work is not only does is it exciting and interesting and it's thrilling, but it also just looks great at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Full package I, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly in, uh, you know, uh, I believe it was in the celebration sizzle wheel, uh, the behind the scenes sizzle wheel. I think it was Gareth Edwards who said, it's like playing with my action figures when I was a kid and for a movie like this, and I think for a lot of movies, that's actually a really good mindset to have because it makes you think about, all right, how do I make this battle scene between all of these, you know, rebel action figures and imperial action figures look as cool as I can? And I think he accomplished that. There are some awesome looking action sequences in this third act specifically. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like you. This third act is just so awesome i mean every part about it is great and the fact you know the action is you know what people will talk about but i think all of our characters you know even though we don't get to spend much time with them during the movie some of them you know cassian and jen kind of are the exceptions i think all of them really good uh get good conclusions in this third act as well um that that's something i've always really enjoyed but um as far as like I, I just kind of made a list of my favorite moments during the third battle, uh, third absolutely act action um, stuff. So <laughs> the first thing I want to bring up is I love that we got to see red and gold leader in the third act of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because as yeah. a kid, and I know the mindset, uh, Gareth Edwards has said as much, and I have the same mindset, but when you're a kid, like you see those guys, I don't know. There's something about it. Like these red and gold leader just stick in your mind. Like, Oh, these are the top dogs. These are the best Imperial or best rebel pilots. And like Luke gets to fly under them. And I don't know. It's just really cool. That yeah. We get to see them in this movie. We get to see the guy that uh, Luke later replaces. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> my next, right? That is my next note. And that dude, no offense to the actor or the person playing him or anything, but he is such a dork in that short little shot. He's like, this is red five. I can't get him off. Ah! <laughs> Just got this. That high. was one of the guys. That was one of the guys I thought, is that James Corden? <laughs> <laughs> this is red five. I need help. <laughs> I don't know. It just always cracks me up whenever I see him. <laughs> you know, you got to know when you join the rebellion, especially like the the you know the the fighter pilot you know wing of it, the the space battle wing of it, and you you're a pudgy kind of a pasty blonde headed fat guy. Uh, you know that everybody's like, yeah, that guy's going to be one of the first to go down. Yeah. He's probably going to like crash into the surface of like some object or something and scream while he does it. Porkins pull <laughs> up. But, uh... <laughs> uh, His name is Porkins. Come on. You can't make that stuff up. I mean, they did make it up, but come on, that's great. Oh, it's wonderful. In the, 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 uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? The, uh, parodies of that. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know. That guy's almost as big of a hero as Luke Skywalker at this point. Oh, oh yeah. On. Yeah. For the Star Wars fandom. But uh, mm -hmm. my next uh, favorite part about the third act, and I guess you could say about the whole movie, is the fact, <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but it's the fact that everyone dies. <laughs> uh, it, it was really nice. Uh, I, I don't know 
if nice is the right word. It was, I don't know. I just appreciate the fact that Disney, you know, they went back and changed the whole tone of the movie and made it a bit lighter and changed a lot of stuff about the movie, but they went ahead and stuck with their gut. And I guess with, uh, Gareth Edwards original choice and just have all of our main characters die. I did read a while ago that, uh, in the early stages of production before they even started, um, filming the movie, there was a version of the script that had at least one or, uh, two characters surviving, uh, but I'm glad everyone died. <laughs> yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. That was something I wrote down as well. I remember sitting in the theater watching this, and when they started to die off one by one, I was like, whoa, they're actually killing some characters I know. here. And if you read Catalyst, it makes it that much better, especially Jin. More because, impactful. Yeah, yeah once again, the sacrifices that the Urso family had to make in order to... It, the ultimate sacrifice. You yeah. Know, it, the it, mother, it, father, and daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole, the trifecta, baby. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> sounds very uh, rude, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the, And then even when I was watching that, and right before Jen and Cassie and I, because they're like the last two left, I thought they're not going to kill them, right? Disney doesn't have the guts to do this. And then, you know, they, they were setting up kind of the uh, story element that they're trapped, basically. There's no getting off. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. now there's going to be somebody that's going to drop down and pick them up. Yeah. And then, like, when they're sitting on the beach and, the you know, the blast is coming towards them, um, Deep Impact style, I was like, they're going <laughs> yeah. to kill these people. That's crazy. Oh, it's great. And I, I am really glad that they did because that's kind of the point of this movie, yeah. you know? Um, they're the rebellion and these small groups of people, they're, they're risking everything because they know what's at stake. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh, the death star plans. Why is that a big deal? You know, it means everything and Mm -hmm. willing to die for that. So that then, you know, uh, a little while later, Luke and you know, the rest of them can end up. Or for Jen herself, is she, her sacrifice means even more for her personally, because, her father's sacrifice now means something, you know, exactly. Because if the plans exactly. wouldn't have made it off the planet of Scarif, then it would have, uh, her father would have died for nothing. Yeah. Died for nothing. Exactly. And I've read this in the past and I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that Disney and it, this may have been the early script that you were talking about. They were very much against the death of the characters and, and yeah. uh, Gareth really pushed for it. And they were very much against it. And I don't know if they eventually came around or if they were still unhappy at the end. But um, I know what the mindset is, though, I'm sure at Disney. They were thinking, we could have spinoff movies or sequels <laughs> yeah. or comics. Which is basically what they're doing with Cassian. They're like, we're going to do a prequel. Yeah. Uh, which I'm fine with, whatever. But uh, I'm kind of on the fence about it, the, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I am too. I, it's something, it's like Solo. I'm not... I didn't ask for it. I'm not particularly excited about it yet. Um, I just but, hope they uh, don't like, tone it down right. because like Cassian in this movie is you get, like I said before, you can tell he has a past he's and dark. that yeah. it, it, he's a dark character and I just got a feeling that they're going to tone it down a little bit and it's just going to be the adventures of Cassian Andor and K2SO, you know? 
maybe it'll be kind of like the Mandalorian in the sense that there's some lighter moments, but then there's also some darker kind of stuff. I, I mean, hope so. Mando like Mando chopped that dude in half with the door in like the first <laughs> two minutes of episode one. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I couldn't believe that they did it and internally i stood up and cheered i was like i am so glad that they did this yeah um because it makes the movie that much better mm-hmm. can you imagine if they had survived it wouldn't i don't know i don't think it would have the i don't think the third act would have had as much much of a oomph that it does now if that makes sense yeah yeah that oomph really makes sense oomph. but uh yeah <laughs> Could you it's always good that? when you use like fake words to like describe what you're talking about. <laughs> when you use sound effects to describe what you're trying to communicate, that's always the best route <laughs> I've found. Uh, something else I love about the third act. Uh, it's just a little thing. And uh, I don't know, maybe you haven't noticed it before, but I love the fact that whenever Tarkin orders that the Scarif base needs to be uh, demolished, Whenever they fire the Death Star, the laser hits where Krennic is on the tower directly. I love that. I know. As if there was any question, like, maybe Krennic survives. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't hit any other part of the tower. It, like, literally goes right to him. Yeah, I would. I just kind of like to think Tarkin knew he would be up there. And so he just fired on it. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's pretty funny, too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I do have kind of one little nitpick about this third act and it's kind of a nitpick for the past few star Wars movies. There's just kind of like unnecessary things. Yep, I know exactly what unnecessary you're about. troopers, unnecessary tie fighters, unnecessary things that look cool in the movie, but they don't fit with the rest of the canon of Star Wars. Oh, like, I got what you're saying. Like, we don't need... I didn't need sand troopers. Yeah, they look cool, but what purpose oh. do they serve? I don't need, you know... Yeah, a specialized... The, yeah. A specialized TIE fighter. I don't need some of this stuff because... I agree. Because now, yeah. in my mind, for the rest of the series, I'm thinking, well, why don't y'all just... Where are they at? Yeah, why don't y'all just get that special TIE fighter you got? It could handle this in two seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to go another route, um, but I totally agree with what you are saying. One thing that I guess if I have a nitpick about this third act, it's this. So in like writing and stuff, and I'm not a writer, I aspire to be. So I've read a lot and tried to (laughs) learn as much as I can. But one thing is like, okay, you've got a character that needs to get from point A to point B. It's boring to just have them go from point A to point point B. You need to have a conflict in the middle Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that's, that's, Visually interesting. Um, it's interesting. Are you to saying read. there's too many things getting in the way? <laughs> there are too many things yeah. getting in the way. Yeah. It's like it's like okay, they need to get the communications tower. Okay, cool. Well, then Bodhi or Brody, whatever his name is, um, Bodhi, <laughs> Jody has to. Cody. You know, he's got to like. Yeah, yeah. Cody has got a wire into the thing, and then the the line gets snagged, and it's like, oh my gosh! And then he gets pinned down, and then when Jen finally gets up to the top, the antenna's not straight, and it's just like, oh my goodness, come on! And then something I, I think else about many... Bodie. Something else about Bodie. <laughs> Last night, I guess I had never noticed it before. You mean but, Jody? Yeah, Jody. or Cody? But uh, yeah, his character. What? I never noticed it until last night, but whenever he finally sends a message to um, the uh, rebels saying, 
hey, we need you guys to be on the lookout for these plans or whatever. We're going to transmit them to you, uh, but you need to get the shield down. Whenever he finally gets that message to him after struggling to get that cable into his ship and <laughs> having to work up the courage to go and get it and stuff, literally two seconds later, somebody tosses a grenade in there and <laughs> he gets I know. killed. It's like the writers were like, okay, he served his purpose, so let's get rid of and- him. <laughs> and just so we don't have to write one more ounce of character development, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Story arc completed, and then they all high five. Yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah, there, it can feel sometimes like there's too much stuff getting in the way. And it kind of, you know, like, especially when it comes to Bodhi, that's the chief one I, uh, I think of whenever I think of stuff getting in the way. But there's also little moments where it's like, um, uh, Jen and Cassian and K2SO are making their way through the base and, you know, they're in disguise and K2SO, he like break, uh, breaks open a droid and he's like trying to figure out how, where they need to go to yeah. get to the vault. And he's like, well, there's like 80 plus stormtroopers in our way, so we're not going to make it. We only have a 30% chance of making it there. And uh, then all of a sudden Cassian gets on the communicator. He's like, okay, you guys, you need to cause a distraction. They're like, okay, we'll cause a distraction. <laughs> It's, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It feels like there's too many steps, you know. Exactly. I, I think there's a there needs to be a healthy balance in the middle. You don't want it to be too easy, but you don't want it to be like a hiccup on every stage of the plan. Yeah. So, uh, and then that would be my only nitpick about the yeah third act. Uh, I have two more little notes here about the third act. Uh, one is man, it was so awesome seeing this movie and having an awesome awesome space battle man uh i love oh, the man. space it's battle. it's pretty great this, isn't it, it it's really really good and like i said we get to see red and gold leader red five and we get to see um the awesome hammerhead corvette take down two star destroyers that was awesome and like you said earlier gareth edwards man he just has a way of shooting size and stuff and you know i really meant to mention this earlier but uh, you kind of touched on it. This movie just looks fantastic. Uh, like it, it's, I love the visual style of this movie. Like the way the um, star destroyers look, you can't tell the difference if they're a model or if they're uh, CG. Oh yeah. It, it blends into the uh, original trilogy seamlessly. Like even uh, uh, the shots of planets uh, from outer space, they kind of have like this blue orb around them, like in the original kind of the Star- atmosphere. Yeah. 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 Oh, Absolutely. I love that, man. It looks so good. Um, but yeah, there look- was great care taken in, in that's John. No designing the look. Yeah. Designing the look and, and the feel of this movie. And you can tell it was done by people who had a lot of love behind it, not yeah. to get too sappy or anything here, but yeah, <laughs> that's just what I think. Yeah. Uh, and then the final thing I want to mention kind of about this third act big battle is you kind of touched on, on it a second ago, man. I love the moment with uh, Jen and Cassian on the beach. Um, it, it It's so good because, you know, throughout the movie you see that they have problems with one another but then they both realize that they're doing this for a greater cause and they're they're doing this because nobody else is willing to do that uh, do it but they know what is right um i 
I just love the moments leading up to that too, when they're in the elevator and they're just like literally staring at each other. And, you know, uh, me in the theater originally, uh, you know, in 2016, I was like, oh man, are they about to kiss or something? Uh, I thought the same thing too. Yeah. But they end up not kissing and they go down to the beach and they're just sitting there and you can tell they're just like, they, I don't know. It's a deeper connection than just, yeah. you know, love or some There's a sort, lot going. sort of romantic feeling between the two. There's, they, they accomplish what they set out to do they did it together. And, uh, you know, I think it's all kind of summed up in what Cassian says, you know, your father would be proud. And I, I don't know, it, it's a great moment. Yep. And I just love how they just hug on the beach and then they get blown to smithereens. It's just, it's so there's wonderful. a lot of, <laughs> it's okay. No, there's a lot of communication going on, like just with their eyes and expressions yeah. and stuff that, words don't have to say and sometimes can't fully yeah. say jen looks I like she's on the was, verge of tears <laughs> i know see personally i think cassian was kind of like you want to like you want to kiss or something real quick you know but jen kind of had the attitude of like you've always been a big brother to me and he's like all right <laughs> are you sure your personal Threat life joke. isn't slipping into your feelings about this movie right? no it's not <laughs> this is the multi i've have mentioned the friend zone multiple times on the this very very new podcast though but um i think that was two uh easy choices that they they could have taken is like keep the characters alive and have them kiss man and they didn't take either one of those and i was like i commended them. i was like yeah. hey that and that's fantastic. i'm just i'm just gonna bring this up because i thought of it last night look i know we haven't gotten to episode nine yet but i just gotta say how much of a better moment between kylo ren oh, and ray would it have been if they would have just hugged and then ben died it would have been sweet and oh, man it, it, it would have been a that's lot last scene pales in in emotional uh value to this compared to, to oh, i mean it's not even not, not even, even close. close yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that okay that infamous scene eventually it's drawing ever closer I isn't know. It? <laughs> it, it dude you're not kidding i feel like every time we you know check off another movie another star wars movie it's like okay we're getting closer to that one where i'm gonna have to take an aspirin before we get started yeah t minus t minus seven weeks yeah <laughs> whatever <laughs> okay well that's kind of the end of the third act battle but we do have one more little moment to talk about it's kind of a big moment what moment i can't think of a, a moment we just talked about the coolest moment there can't possibly be a cooler moment oh well what I, moment I think, could you possibly be talking i about? think there's a moment where uh I, th- I think it's vader he gets on a ship and he oh no 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 you're talking about the scene about 12 no, different rebel troopers I think that's okay, what I'm talking about. Okay, you said you had something you were going to bring up. Uh, that's cool, but I thought you were going to bring up the scene where R2 and C-3PO are like, oh, oh nobody ever tells us anything. They're uh, going to Scarif. Why does no one ever tell us anything? <laughs> They're going on an adventure. Yeah, no. Bonus, I love it. Yeah, bonus, I love the fact that we can see Chopper in the hangar during that scene. Uh, yes, and the ghost is, yeah. uh, ghost is there too, yes. which is awesome. Yeah, really cool. I think supposedly it's in episode nine as well, but who the heck could tell? It uh, is in episode nine. You see it. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just mean there's like literally 10,000 ships. Oh, yeah. You know, it blends in with all of them. All right. Let's talk about Vader. Uh, (laughs) Vader. Vader. My gosh, this scene, this moment is amazing. And if the reshoots were worth anything, man, they nailed it because this was a reshoot. Was this one of the things? Oh, really? We were close to that moment. Ooh, really? That's amazing. Was the, I wonder if they were had like an alternate version of this, or if there was just not going to be a from Vader what, like right, confrontation so at all. From what I've been able to piece together, it sounds like the plans to the Death Star were going to be transmitted to a ship uh, that Admiral uh, Radis was on, and um, the ship was going to be attacked by those two star destroyers that come out of our hyperspace, and it was going to be destroyed really quickly, and the crews were going to be evacuating it. And uh, we were going to see a tro- uh, some troopers jumping in escape pods, and then one trooper jumps into a doorway, and the lights go down, and the lights come back on, and then we see the inside of the Tantive Four, and then he he runs through the Tantive Four and brings it to the bridge, okay. and that's where we get the Leia scene. Like there wasn't so basically be- just like no Vader there. Yeah, all. no Vader. Yeah, boy, that, dude. That's- every- Every, that was worth the you're right the reshoots were worth it for that alone <laughs> every time every time i see this vader hallway moment it gives me chills man <laughs> yeah and it's dark this, too dude it, like you want to talk about violence and worried about kids literally, I, he literally throws a dude on the sill and forgets about him and then like briefly like turns his lightsaber it's like, oh yeah there. here he is <laughs> oh it's but fantastic it's, once again, it's like stuff out of a Star Wars fan's dream because we had always it is an action figure moment. Yeah, yeah they they definitely they made Vader kind of like what we had always seen in the comics and other stuff as well. Stuff we had always heard about, like he's this big, like he's almost kind of like uh, Michael from Halloween, you know, like a big oh, slasher yeah. dude, you know, except with the lights. That's true. Yeah, that's kind of true. Really cool, man. He doesn't say anything. He's just there. And yeah. and you can hear him sort of breathing and you see the rebels turn around and oh, they're just like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, dang it. Yeah. Now, in it, this scene takes me back to kind of like that childlike moment. So when he first walks through the door of the Tanty Four in A New Hope, there's something about that guy and you're like, this guy means business. Look at the way this guy, he's got a cape on for goodness sake. This guy is legit, but there's, there's already without saying anything, you're like, this guy is terrifying. Yeah. And then you see what the terrifying guy does. And, and you're like, I don't want to mess with that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, well worth it. Well worth it. And then uh, I, I think even more so than that, which I know it's hard to believe. I like something more than that Vader scene. Dude, I for some reason it just always really like I don't know gives me chills and like I don't know it's, it's one of my favorite moments in the movie whenever that trooper gets on the Tantive 4 and somebody yells launch and then we see the Tantive 4 come out of the you know underside yep. docking mm-hmm. bay on that ship and it takes off and you know 
that, you know, it's leading into Star Wars, you know, 77. And we see the inside of the Tanta four and we see all those troopers running around and the captain goes, get the, uh, get the uh, escape pods ready and make sure we got all of our doorways covered. And it's just like, I dude, it's so cool getting to see those few moments that happened before that iconic opening to star exactly. Wars. exactly it's so it's, cool because now whenever i watch star wars and the opening of the movie with all the rebel troopers facing the doorway with their guns drawn like i have it in my head that these guys just saw their worst nightmare darth vader and they must be scared out of their minds right now like that's I'm, a really good perspective to bring into it. I yeah. hadn't thought about that before. It just makes me I, appreciate that opening a lot more. <laughs> oh yeah. And this is the kind of fan service I like. It serves the movie and it's cool, but it doesn't beat you over the head with like, yeah. Hey, this is Tanty five. But I, I had heard rumors going into this movie that it's going to lead right in moments before episode four. But in my mind, I was thinking, you know, maybe a day or so before, maybe an hour or so before no like literally moments and so when they get on the tainted four and they flicker on the lights and it's those crisp white hallways i was like this is star wars yeah <laughs> you know and I, mean? I remember being nervous really nervous about uh this movie in particular because we had heard from gareth edwards that hey it ends like 10 minutes before star wars happens yes and i remember being nervous because i was like man this is forever going to change how i look at star wars and that was true to a certain extent uh but man i'm glad you know this movie turned out the way it did because to me it it doesn't take away from star wars the original star wars at all it only adds to it and i couldn't ask exactly. for it it's the perfect that. it's the perfect kind of supplemental material type that you want yeah um the only kind of little and this is on me because i watch every trailer and everything but can you imagine how amazing seeing darth vader in this movie would have been if he wasn't all over the marketing oh yeah yeah, I mean, we would we kind of guessed even before we saw the trailers, but it would have been so cool. What if, what and, if uh, what if he had not? What if Vader had not had been in the movie? And at the end, there's a brief little moment whenever um uh, to- uh, uh Tarkin, say, Tarkin. Tar- yeah, Tarkin, <laughs> yeah, Tarkin. He says, "What about the Rebel fleet?" And he, we hear him say, "Lord Vader will take care of them." What if we had heard that, and then we cut to the scene where uh, uh, the Rebel fleet is going into light speed, and all of a sudden those two star destroyers come out of nowhere, and the first thing we see of Vader is him standing on the bridge of the star destroyer as it's heading I toward know. the Rebel fleet, and then he goes, "Prepare a boarding party," and then we get that hallway scene and everything that would have been pretty cool you know without having to see him in the rest of the movie (laughs) i've thought of that myself i do like the moment with him and krennic kind of in the middle of the movie i think it's kind of cool but i could have done without it but uh yeah i've thought about that before too yeah i do have a question about vader um that i want to ask you just real quick so i get it things change over the years blah 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 but vader in like each time they film a Star Wars movie, they have to make a new Vader costume. They feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. And the this is just me, but the inconsistency in Vader's look across the saga 
I don't know. It's kind of frustrating to me a little bit. Do you find that to be the case with you or am I just kind of nitpicking here? Well, in my mind, uh, I just think about it like the original trilogy. I, I can't give it too much grief, especially the original Star Wars, because George Lucas was on a really tight budget, at least for a while he was. And then, um, yeah. you know, I give, you know, the original Star Wars a, a lot of leeway in that area. Uh, as far as the other movies, I kind of agree with you. Uh, specifically about this movie, though, they, if you watch the special features, they went back and basically recreated the look that Vader had in A New Hope. That way, uh, according to them, it would match tonally. However, I disagree because, like, yeah, I do too. It, it doesn't look like. I don't, you know, maybe it's the way the film was processed or how it looks in editing, but it, even though it's made the same way as the original costume was, it doesn't look the same way on screen. No, uh, it does Vader not. has like red eyes in this movie and I know the original yeah. costume did, but you can't tell. No, um, you can't. And it, it looks cool, but it doesn't look like the original. No, nah, no. Nah. And it has more of like a matte finish to the armor and stuff, yeah. like a glistening look. Yeah. So I agree with you. I wasn't even, when I was saying the inconsistency, I wasn't even thinking about the original trilogy, but you're right, actually. They did make new ones, I think, for Empire and yeah. Jedi, I think. They um, did. Those those look fine to me. I don't really care about those. I'm more talking about episode three is very different. Um, well, not very. I put that in air quotes. I mean, there's some subtle differences there. And then in the, then this version is even more different than the episode three version. Yeah. And it's mostly the red eyes and he just doesn't seem, especially in the scene with Krennic, he doesn't feel like he's very tall. Uh, maybe I'm looking at it too close, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, nevertheless, having Vader in this movie is definitely, um, a good addition. I'm glad he's in there. I oh yeah. Say that. I want to mention two final things here before we get to our least favorites and favorites. Uh, so first of all, at the very end of the movie, we see princess Leia. Um, now, oh, yeah. again, just like Tarkin, the technology wasn't quite there at the time. Um, but this little moment will always kind of hold a special place in my heart to me because that was the Christmas that Carrie, uh, Carrie yeah. Fisher passed away. And so this something about, you know, seeing this not long after she passed away um, was very, um, I don't know. It, it kind of sticks with you. Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely right. Uh, but there are actually some YouTube videos I recommend you watch where uh, some visual effects guy took the footage of Tarkin and Carrie Fisher at the end of the movie and went back and fixed it. Man, he made them look a lot better. I'm not sure what he did. Really? Yeah. You should Dang. check it out. Some. I will. I will. And then the final thing. The I thing want... with her, I don't think her look, I don't think she looks as good as Tarkin. Um, there's something about her lips. I think she looks her, better than Tarkin personally. Really? But that's just me. I don't know. There's something about her lips. Her lips are too shiny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She's fine. Yeah. But, uh, and then the final thing I wanted to mention here is the music. Now the music for this movie kind of went through a rough spot. Who was originally going to score this movie? Boy, you're the guy who should know that. I know absolutely zero. Um, I well, can't remember. Uh, but anyway, you're the music guy, so I always defer yeah, to you. So yeah, if you don't know, I sure as heck don't. Yeah, well, I'm dropping the ball. I can't remember who was originally going to score it. But anyway, like literally four weeks before the deadline for the movie, uh, not before the release date, just like the deadline before they had to start shipping out copies of the movie, um, 
they brought in Michael Giacchino to do the score for the movie. So, you know, I think he did the best under the circumstances. You know, the main theme for the movie is pretty good. However, there were, there's like several moments throughout the movie where I'm like, okay, why are we not hearing the force theme right now? And then why are we not hearing the Imperial March right now? Like when the dish is being installed, hearing the Imperial March right there, not some, off brand of it, you know. Yeah, that's true. And, I know, feel like the score is a good first pass, you know. Sure. But like, if he had had like three months or six months or whatever oh, is yeah. customary, yeah. Uh, for you know to do a score, I feel like you know he could have polished it out a little bit. See, this um, is what it's kind of a shame. This is what happens but, when we don't have somebody named John uh, scoring Star Wars music because we had John, yeah, for real, and it was a good musical score. Then yep. John Williams for the rest of them, but once we get Michael, he just ruins everything. No, I'm kidding. Yucko. <laughs> well, bro, right, and Michael Arndt was going to do the first. Uh, was the original screenwriter for Episode Seven, and oh he yeah, messed that up and got booted <laughs> off. Apparently, so <laughs> stay away from the Michaels. Uh, do you have anything else to add, man? Uh, no, I do not actually. Okay, I'm, I'm ready to go to best. Best uh, and worst <laughs> favorites and <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's start with character here. Who's your f- uh, least favorite character? Um, least favorite is probably um, Baz um, just because our Boz, however you say his name, um, either him or it's uh saw Guerrera. Yeah. But probably. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. It, it's either one of those guys yeah. just for reasons we talked about earlier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Who's your uh, favorite character? I really kind of like Krennic, man. I know, you know, he's just, I, I mean, you're not supposed to like him, but I mean, I think he's a cool character. Uh, but if it, I'm, if I were to pick like a hero, probably, probably like Cassian just cause the dude's done some stuff and you can tell it's like weighing him down. Yeah. I think Diego Luna does a good job of conveying that. So yeah. Well, I, that's where I stand. Yeah. I kind of cheated on this one. I have kind of <laughs> a few different favorite characters. I love director <laughs> okay. and the entire Urso family because you know, Krennic versus the Urso family. I'm telling you, once you read catalyst, it makes this movie a, a whole lot better. It's almost kind of like, the big series finale to a TV show. Like you just can't wait to watch mm. this movie after reading catalyst. And, uh, nice. Those four characters in my opinion are, uh, really spread out and, uh, developed a, a lot more by reading the book. All right. All right. Uh, who is your, or what is your least favorite scene in the movie? Uh, so this, I, I talked about this movie, I think does a pretty good job of the fan service. It's not much, but the, my least favorite scene uh, is when they bump into the, the tumor nose guy from a new hope. Who's like, I'm a wanted guy in 12 systems. They bump into him in Jetta city and he's like, you better watch yourself. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, that's, just, that's just a bit too much fan service in my opinion. And for one thing, how the heck did they get off Jetta City so fast? They must have been headed right towards a transport. But anyway, that's my <laughs> least favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, 
I kind of I saved that for my least favorite moment, and I agree with you one hundred. Oh snap! Yeah. Okay. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was my least favorite moment in the movie. That is more for, of a moment. Yeah, yeah. for everything you just said, a little too. It was a little too on the nose for me, fan service wise. I mean, they're even wearing the same clothes that they wear on. Saturday, I know. Just I don't know. I know. Weird. But um. Uh, my f- least favorite scene is the Boda look or whatever that tentacle monster thing is. It, it just Borgalet, felt- Borgalet, yeah, or whatever. It just felt like an excuse to have a big tentacle monster, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the only. That's well, my- that was my least favorite moment. So I just had him switched around from you, but so we're basically in agreement yeah. on both of those. Well, then uh, let's see. What is your favorite scene in the movie? This is tough, man. This is really tough. Um, you know, I, I would say scene wise, um, it's it's Darth Vader versus you know the rebel schlubs on <laughs> on at the end there. It's uh because I I only put that as favorite scene because I have a different favorite moment, <laughs> and well, I know it's kind of like your moment. <laughs> okay, my favorite moment. I really really like the moment when. Um, they're playing the hologram of uh, Galen Erso describing the, how the death star can be destroyed. I think the music is really great right there. I really do. Um, And Jen is, you know, emotional there. Uh, You know, the planet or the city is being destroyed. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going back and forth. It cuts back and forth between like them on the death star preparing to launch, to shoot the laser uh, I think that's really powerful and uh, and r- just really well done. And so that's my favorite moment. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my favorite scene is the plans uh, when they're being transmitted to the rebels uh, up in space above Scarif. I j- the, the way the music uh, swells, it's almost kind of like the polar opposite. We're not the polar opposite, but kind of like the second half of that moment you just talked about, because whenever Jen is watching her father's hologram. That's kind of when she's kind of like at her lowest point, um, you know, with Jetta being destroyed around them. But at the end of the movie, uh, she's accomplished what she set out to do. Her father's death now means something and her death is going to mean something. And uh, we get the same musical score. It's great. We It's flashing. Are you back. talking specifically about that scene on the beach or just yeah. when it's being transmitted? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because whenever- that was second. That was my second choice, actually. So yeah. I really love that scene as well. Yeah, great moment. How it cuts back and forth between the firing of the Death Star and uh, them pl- uh, transmitting the plans. It's it, it's really really good. Um, what is your least favorite uh, dialogue line in this movie? Oh, probably. Almost, I, guess. I okay, forgot to mention. Okay. I, sorry, I forgot to mention my favorite moment. Uh, it's the Vader oh. hallway scene. Uh, nice. uh, fa- uh, yeah, we already talked about that, but we just, basically had him. swell. I just had moment and scene. Yeah, I know. Like, and <laughs> opposite of yours. We need That's to discuss funny. what's a scene and what's a moment after this. <laughs> I think I kind of got it in my head after hearing what yours are. I'm like, okay, I get, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as far as uh, dialogue, um, for the longest time, it was when they were like rebellions are built on hope. I was like, all right, that's a little hokey, Yeah. but I'm like, okay, it's, it is a little hokey, but it's not the biggest transgression. I think 
I don't like Saul Guerrero's so where he's like, save the rebellion, save, save the dream. That was a good Gandalf impersonation. Did yeah. you hear that? You <laughs> shall not pass. Oh. Fly, you fools. Yeah, but uh, save the dream. I don't know. It's cringy to write. It's cringy to read. It's cringy to repeat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, those are some uh, good good bad choices right there. Uh, <laughs> however, my least favorite uh, line in this movie is one by Darth Vader when he goes, be careful not to choke on your aspirations. Ever since I saw that in the movie theater, I thought I laughed whenever I heard that line and I still always kind of uh-huh. chuckle. And I don't think we should be chuckling at it. It's a very weird line because you can't tell it's if very it's very on the nose. Yeah. Serious or and maybe and it doesn't help i don't like the way that shot is framed uh, how vader turns around and he's got like his and his hand is all like <laughs> cramped up or whatever yes. <laughs> like he's doing the stupid circle thing you know <laughs> yeah but, made yeah. you look made you look yeah it's oh it's yeah i've never cared for that line um yeah that's true yeah we've never heard darth vader tell a joke before and uh nobody knows if they should laugh or not yeah there's there's a ton of like videos on youtube where people have showed that scene and right after he says be careful not to choke on your aspirations it goes but and then the curtain closes that's good um did you I forgot. Did you say what your favorite line in the movie is? No. Um, my favorite. So there's my favorite is actually kind of a joke. Um, and there's actually some good dialogue in this movie, I think. But um, I, I really like the K2SO line where he goes, Jen, I'll be there for you. Cassian said I had to. I, I thought that was I think I just I don't know. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, it's it, I don't know. To me, it feels. Yeah. That, that line, for some reason, has always felt a little forced to me. I don't know why. Oh but, yeah. I can understand that. I don't know. It, well, no, it, don't it, it hits the, it hits the humorist in me. What, what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? But, uh, right. <laughs> uh, my favorite line in this movie, uh, is actually kind of a dorky one, but, uh, I've just always really appreciate it. It's whenever the, uh, rebels, uh, start blowing up the bombs on Scarif and everything. And we get that shot from up in the Scarif tower and it's critical looking out over the battle. And then he turns around and everybody's just staring outside and he goes, are we blind deplore the garrison? <laughs> I love that when are he's like, are we blind deplore the garrison? Uh, that's so a good funny. one. <laughs> Krennic has got some good lines in this. Yeah. Um, you know, we stand again. Amongst my achievement, not yours, mine, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Once again, read Catalyst. It makes that moment a lot cooler. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's go ahead and give our final scores here and our kind of final thoughts here. So I'll let you go first. All righty. So um, needless to say, uh, I really, really enjoy this movie a great deal. Um, and for that, I'm going to give it probably I think the highest score I've given any of the star Wars movies so far, and I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. Um, and I, and yeah, I know. And it's got some issues, but nothing that I'm like going to really knock it, dock it some points for But I think this is a terrific supplemental movie that adds additional depth to the mythology and everything, but it doesn't, but despite our, I guess, uh, 
take away the moment that I said that was my least favorite with the guy from episode four. Uh, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. Um, excluding that scene. So yeah, that's, that's where I stand on it. 9.5 out of 10. Well, cool, cool. Um, I'm going to go, uh, a little lower than you. I'm going to give this movie. Well, first of all, let me say this is a good movie. Uh, it, it really feels like there was a lot of passion in this movie as far as uh, people who just love Star Wars and wanted to put the coolest Star Wars dream come to life kind of story out there. It does have little problems here and there, kind of like what I said at the beginning. Some of the characters feel shallow. Uh, it's a little jumpy in the beginning. Um, it has that outstanding third act uh, that is so amazing that it could if i were giving that third act a score alone i'd probably give it a 9.5 out of 10 but as far as the whole movie i'm gonna go a bit lower and i'm giving rogue one a solid eight out of ten don't got a problem with that at all yeah i will say though that i probably enjoy like revenge of the sith which i think gave i gave a lower score to more than this but you know whatever (laughs) let me ask you something because i I haven't asked you this in a while i remember walking out of this movie and it was you know a year after force awakens came out we both loved the force awakens i remember saying to you i think this may be my new favorite star wars movie (laughs) do you still feel that way or how do you feel now no no i don't feel that way you know the the novelty of it's worn off since, yeah. but uh, coming out of it, it was like, like you said, this is everything I wanted. Yeah. Um, I think it's right up there. I, there are, there are some bad star Wars movies, but there are some really, really good ones. Yeah. Um, for me, we'll get to rankings later, so I don't want to rank them now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, and you know, later on in the summer, but, um, you know, it's, it's up there, but there are some, there are a handful of others that are, are before it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, now, Ryan, since we have finished with Rogue One, it's time for our weekly recommendation. This is not Star Wars related. Not, it doesn't even have to be movie related. It's just anything we want to recommend to you guys to watch, to read, to listen to, just anything in the world that we want to recommend people check out. So, Ryan, I'm going to let you go first. What are you recommending this week? Well, thank you, my good man. Uh, I've been a little pressed for time this week. Haven't had a lot of free time on my hands, but I have had time to watch YouTube. And in that time, uh, you and I both love trailers, fan-made trailers, and we love trailer mashups where you like take the audio or the music from one trailer and put it with the other. Well, I found, I stumbled across this one. It only has like 5,000 views, but I think it's really, really cool. But it's a Mad Max Fury Road trailer uh, set with the music from the Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer. Really? Uh, if you remember that trailer. Yes. Um, that's Dude. a beautiful trailer that Godzilla Send won, by the way. The link as soon as possible. I will. It's by a YouTube channel called Imperator Cuts. How, how do you spell that? <laughs> uh, it's I-M-P-E-R-A-T-O-R. Like Emperor. Um, Imper- like, yeah. You know, and like a Roman the Emperor. Word? Imperator uh, at Cuts. So he's got a handful of uh, pretty cool um, trailer mashups on there. This one's great. It gave me chills watching it, which doesn't take much. A lot of stuff gives me chills, but this one was pretty sweet. Cool. Uh, some gorgeous, gorgeous Mad Max cinematography 
laid uh, laid beneath a uh, beautiful uh, musical arrangement from that Godzilla trailer. It's it's cool to watch. So Sweet. check that out. Well, I hope he's a fan of the podcast because he just got some free promotion, <laughs> which will add zero to his analytics. I'm sure I won't even make a blimp, but uh, I I liked it in Parader. Whoever you are. <laughs> no that's cool i'm gonna have to check that out later he's uh, got another one if i'm not getting confused he's got another one it takes attack of the clones and it and uh it does it in the style of the nice guys yeah uh, trailer so with russell crowe and ryan gosling <laughs> it's pretty good so check that out too yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch that as soon as we get done here actually um as far as me i am recommending <laughs> I, I don't think it should come as any surprise to anybody who's listened to this episode f- so far I'm recommending the book Catalyst. Um, this, what? Yeah. This novel is so great. I know I've talked about it a bunch and I don't want to uh, talk about it a whole bunch again. I just want to say it it is a really good novel that adds so much to this movie. It connects the two trilogies, the prequels and the originals together really, really well, in my opinion. It's just a great book. And if you've never read a Star Wars novel and uh, you want to get started in the current line of canon and you're looking for a good place to start, I would probably start here because it's pretty self-contained. It's only one novel and uh, the sequel to it is a movie. So (laughs) you can can check it out now. Catalyst, really good book. Highly recommend it. Well, you and I, we don't always agree on everything necessarily, but we have pretty similar tastes. So um, I'm going to definitely check that out. Uh, as soon as I finish Dune in 2025, I'm going to check that out first thing. So hey, uh, you, you just, you've pushed me over the edge. I, I'll say this much about Catalyst, uh, specifically for you, Ryan, if you actually do plan on reading it. It's a little slow at first. Um, it, it takes a few chapters to get going, but man... Once it gets going, you're not going to want to put it down. It's really, really yeah. good. Uh, I got news for you. Dune is the same way. So uh, <laughs> I'm 200 pages in and I just saw my first sandworm. I'm sorry. I want a refund right now. Yeah, Didn't you say that on the podcast last week? Maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> well, uh, do you have anything else to add, Ryan? I think I have run through all of my thoughts on this movie. Oh, I just will say Hammerhead Corvette. We talked about it, but it's sick. I just wanted to say I agreed with what you said about it. (laughs) Okay. And it's on that final thought uh, that we're going to say goodbye. Please make sure you're going. uh, uh, If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, go ahead and click subscribe. We're talking uh, Star Wars all summer long. You can go back and listen to our previous episodes. You can listen to all of the future ones as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. So go ahead and subscribe if you liked this episode leave us a few stars we need the stars it's pretty uh <laughs> more like star wars am i right <laughs> yeah uh speaking no. of which man we've talked about some good star wars movies we talked about some bad ones uh i think it's but, safe to say next week oh man dude i'm it, so excited it honest, i'm so excited it, it honestly feels like this whole summer of star Wars We're going home. <laughs> it feels like it's all been leading to this one moment where we get to talk yeah. about the Holy grail of trilogies oh, man. and it's going to be, I, so I'm awesome. so excited. I'm yeah. So the anyway. next three weeks are going to be pretty amazing. So subscribe. It's, next four, uh, next four. I'll say next four are going to be pretty exciting. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
That's <laughs> uh, what comes after. After that, eh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> no, but uh, like I said, please uh, like us wherever you're uh, – listening to this podcast leave us a rating it really helps us out a lot you can also follow us on social media uh at tmw online at tmw uh, uh pod on facebook and twitter respectively and then the new official instagram home it's at the movie wasteland much simpler find us on uh instagram as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right all of that out of the way we're uh did you have anything to add, Ron? I couldn't remember if you said no. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I kept saying, you asked me very politely, which I, I, I appreciate that a great deal. And I said no twice. And then I then proceeded to add, I add on. So, but I mean it this time. There's nothing else. Okay. <laughs> well, it's on that note. We're going to uh, say goodbye. <laughs> this is a really rough closing. I don't know how to close. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll see you next week here on the movie Wasteland, where we're going to be talking Star Wars. We're looking forward to it. See you next week. And may the force be with you always. Always.